today. Man, what a good way to get started. A lot of fun. I actually saw some dancing on the stage. Is that allowed? It is. I'm the senior pastor. It can be, all right? So, hey, uh, we are so glad to be here today, to worship together, to be in the presence of the God, to be in the presence of one another um, as we uh, just continue in what God has for us. Uh, if you are brand new with us, welcome to Crossroads Church. Like I said, my name is Matt Manning. I am the senior pastor here. And as we get started today, I want to welcome all of you joining us online, YouTube, Facebook, wherever you might be, as well as uh, Fort Lupton and, of course, here at Thornton. Hey, just real quick, last week, um, and speaking of visitors, we had so uh, so many new people last week come and visit Crossroads. And so here's what I'm going to ask today is if you're like a regular Crossroads person, instead of like jetting for the doors afterwards, you know, try to beat the Methodist to lunch, just today, like spend a few extra moments and uh, find someone you don't know, just introduce yourself to them. And uh, don't worry about like, you know, asking them if this was their first time. That's always a terrible question at church because they're like, no, I've been here five years. Where have you been? Right? No. Instead, ask them how long they've been at Crossroads. See, that's the pastor's secret. And then um, you can find out if they're new or not. But just spend a few moments. Moments, getting to know someone uh, who's new, just with all of the new people that have uh, started attending Crossroads. We're in this series, uh, and we're in week two of this series that we're calling uh, the six truths that every parent needs to know. Not everything there is to know about parenting, but these six unchangeable principles when it comes to parenting that every single person, every single parent needs to know. And as we walk through these principles, as we walk through these truths, one of our prayers and hopes is that you'll find some encouragement and strength uh, in your own parenting journey as we walk through this, because as any parent knows, parenting, a lot of things in parenting actually changes, right? Like very few things are unchangeable. Like there's a lot of change that happens uh, when it comes to parenting, particularly when it comes to like our parenting philosophies. Like when our first child came into our house, Theo, this was 14 years ago, like every kid, he had a pacifier. And when his passy fell out on the floor, we'd pick it up, we'd warm up some water, we'd make sure it was sanitized, and then we'd put it back, right? Then Cademan came, and when Cademan's passy fell out, we'd run it under the water, and then we'd stick it in and be like, ah, he's okay, right? And then Mercy came, my last, and hers would fall out. We'd just lick it and put it back in her mouth, right? Like, like that's just the way that we did it. Like, a philosophy changed. Now, I have some friends who have, like, six kids. I don't know what you do with six. Maybe just have the dog lick it and put it back in. But, but regardless, right, when it comes to our parenting philosophies, when it comes to so much of our parenting, things change. And so during this series, really what this is all about is looking at some truths, specifically six of them, that when it comes to parenting, they never change. Regardless of what stage of life you're in, whether you want kids one day, whether you have littles at home, whether you have bigs at home, whether your bigs have bigs, that these are the six principles of parenting that never change. Because we all know that when it comes to parenting, parenting is difficult, isn't it? Parenting's hard. And thankfully for us, fortunately for us, that God's word has some helpful things to say to us when it comes to parenting and how we are to live our lives as parents. And so over these weeks, we're just looking at these six unchangeable truths from scripture. Again, not everything there is to know about parenting. You can read books and resources and videos to get all of that. We're just looking at these six unchangeable truths that we find in scripture. And again, our hope and our prayer is that as we walk away from this, that you'll be strengthened and encouraged as a parent. So just so that you know where we're going over these six weeks, if you missed last week, here's our six truths that we're looking at. Last week, we looked together at the first truth, which is what you do matters. What you do makes a difference. And we explored this question uh, that we kind of asked ourselves, which was this, is how do you define successful parenting? Like, how do you know when you're a success as a, as a parent? 
And what we said is that for most of us, when we think about like successful parenting, we put it in terms of like, if my kid never faces hardship or heartache, then, then I'll be successful as a parent. Or maybe for others of us, we would say, if I'm able to provide everything that my kid needs, like, like in his life, then, then I'll be a successful parent. For others of us, it was like, you know, if my kid grows up, has a career, a spouse, a couple of kids, white picket fence, like I'm living the American dream, then I'll know that I was a success as a parent. And what we discovered last week is that when we open the pages of the scripture, at least from the Bible's perspective, that when it comes to parenting, that the success of parenting, the way that we are judged in our success by parenting has nothing to do with those other goals. It has everything to do with us creating space, giving our children opportunity after opportunity to be able to experience the existence and the goodness of God. That what you do matters. The way that you live your life matters. What you do makes a difference in your life. That was last week. This week, we're going to look at truth number two, which is you're not a parent because you're able, and talk really about the inadequacies that we face as parents. Then next week, we'll talk about character formation is greater than behavioral modification. That every single one of us wants kids who behave, like that's a good and worthy goal. But our job is not just to make behaving kids, that our job is actually to bring about whole people. That's, what our, that's our job as parents, so we're gonna talk about that. Week four, the best change happens slowly over time. Then week five, we're gonna talk about the truth of heartbreak happens. If you're a parent, you've experienced heartbreak in your life. Pastor Kim, our former senior pastor, is gonna be back to walk us through that truth. And then finally, what we're gonna look at is that your parenting is shaped or flows from your identity. So those are the six kind of truths. Those are the six truths where we're going. That's the roadmap of where we're heading. And so as we jump into truth number two today, I want you to be aware at the front end here, at risk of maybe you going, checking out for the rest of the series or, um, or even overstating this. But in my opinion, when it comes to this truth that we're looking at today, that you're not a parent because you are able, that I believe that this is the most important truth that we'll look at during this series. That if you have children, God has called you to be a parent. And there's nothing in the world that is more difficult, nothing in the world that's more difficult or harder than being a parent. That there's nothing in this world that has humbled me, shown me my weaknesses, displayed my lack of inability like parent has. Anybody join me in that one? Yeah, most all of us, right? Like, I will never forget the first night that we brought Theo home from the hospital. It was in the middle of the night, he got up to feed, Sarah fed him, she handed him to me, I made sure he got burped, I put a diaper on him, and then it was to swaddle him and put him back into bed. Like, that was my job. Now, just so that you know, I spent months in this thing called uh, daddy boot camp, you know, learning how to like do all this stuff for babies, and so I had spent months like swaddling baby dolls, right, for this moment. Like, I thought I was ready for the challenge. And as I'm swaddling this kid, the first night that we brought him home from the hospital, hospital. Like every time I had swallowed him, he'd just wiggle out. And the harder I tried, the more he would escape. And so there I am, 3 a.m. in the morning, bloodshot, uh, bloodshot eyes, like exhausted beyond belief. And I sit back and I think to myself, like, what in the world did we do? Like, like, I don't know a thing that I can't even do the simplest task of wrapping this kid up and put him into bed. Like, like what, am we, what did we do? And oh, how little did I know that that was only going to be the beginning of my feelings of inadequacy as a parent, right? That we have all had these moments of feeling inadequate for the job that's required of us as parents, haven't we? And maybe it started as early for you, like, like in my life when it was bringing the child home, or maybe for you it happened like when your kid was two and you're like just trying to get your kid to eat peas and you're like, they're not poisonous, right? Like, like just eat these things. And we look at like just the simplest tasks in life and we're like, why are they so hard? To those days when you're absolutely convinced that your children are conspiring against you, 
to make life difficult? And you've lost your patience that day one too many times. Your anger's been overblown. You've made threats that you didn't intend to keep. But the reality is that you've lost control of your house. And silently, maybe with a little bit of guilt, you long for the, the quiet days before. And then your child becomes a teenager. And suddenly, overnight, your child is, is embarrassed of you. Right? And this is, these are the days that really hurt, aren't they? Like, these are the days that you remember when she would come running into your arms for love and comfort. These were the days that, that you, would, you would walk through the park hopping and skipping with her hand in your hand, and now she's asking you to drop her off at the mall and to not come in. And in those moments, you have that feeling, don't you? Like, like am I doing something wrong? Like, am I doing something to push you away? And then comes college, right? The feeling of inadequacy comes again as you, as you lead your child up to college. And as you drop him off in your dorm, you wonder in that moment, like, you know he's a good kid, but have you done enough in your life? Have you done enough in your life to make sure that he'll be successful on his own? And you, and you sit back and you, and you wonder if you have. And for most all of us as parents, we are, we are haunted by regret, aren't we? The might-have-beens, the what-ifs in our lives. And you don't want to be paralyzed by those things, but you are. And it's not even like the big things, is it? It's the little things. The promises that we made, but then we got too busy in our life to actually keep. It's those, it's those moments where we remember the little moments of, of failures. The moment where you yelled when you knew you should have just listened. You remember that, that time you tried to be fair, but you, but you failed in that. You can remember falling asleep because of your just exhaustion of the day while you're at your kid's performance, praying that they didn't notice. That you remember the threats that you made to your kids and you just pray, you just hope that they don't remember it the same way that you do. Like we all have these, these moments, that time when we were spending on the phone when we knew our child needed us or wanted us to play with them. You'd like to be free from all that regret, but you're not. And I could go on and on, but I don't have to, do I? Like, it doesn't take long for us to figure out, to realize that we're not parents because we're able. And that we're reminded of that time and time again throughout the years that we are woefully inadequate for the task of, of parenthood. Which is why what I'm about to say next is so significant. If you're writing something down, I'd encourage you to write this down. That there is nothing more important to parenting than to understand that God has given you his grace. That as parents, there is nothing more important to parenting than to understanding that God has given you his grace. What I want to do is I want to read Psalm 103 to you. It speaks about God's compassion and his grace. And so in Psalm 103, starting in verse 8, this is what the psalmist writes. He says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love. Toward those who fear him, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. And as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. What we have here is a beautiful picture of, of grace, of God's grace, painted for us as a demonstration of the Father's love. 
The psalmist who's writing this is David. You probably know him as King David. And King David was the second king of Israel. He was probably referred to or known as the greatest king who ever lived in Israel. Like all of the Bible stories paint back to the greatness of David. Well, you may or may not know that part of David's story is that at one point his son Absalom mounts an entire army to march on the kingdom, to march on the throne. And for a season, his son actually takes the throne from David. Like, we've all experienced inadequacies in our lives as parents. And so you can only imagine what David might have felt that day as he's looking into the distance, watching his son lead an army to take his throne. Talk about feeling inadequate as a parent. And yet David writes in Psalm 103, he writes these words to us, not only to remind himself, but to remind us that when it comes to God, that God is full of this steadfast love. He says that he, is, that he is merciful, that he's abundant in his mercy, and that he's slow to anger, which is so much different than the way that you and I act most of the time, don't we? That oftentimes we as humans, that we are so quick to anger, aren't we? And we're so easy to not show mercy to those who have hurt us. In fact, for those who have hurt us, we want them to see punishments. We want them to be punished. We want them to feel pain. And then as they're feeling the pain that we nurse our grievances against them. That's the way that we handle things. But David looks at us and goes, that's not the way that God is. That God is full of steadfast love, that he's slow to anger, that he's full of mercy, that he, that he, he gives out forgiveness. And then he takes it a step further and he says, dads, you get this. You get this as a dad. He says that as a parent that you can look into your child's heart before they're even like old enough, before they're even old enough to know how to hide their weaknesses and their, and their sins and their failures and their shortcomings as people. That all of that, the selfishness that's in them, the, the dads and moms, you know all about that and yet you still love your kid anyway. David says that's the way God is with us and that's what we call grace. And it's that kind of grace that meets us where, wherever we're placed. It's that grace that reaches into the darkest parts of our parenting moments. When you live in, in the regrets of your mistakes, it's the grace that comes among us when you're feeling the inadequacy, when you reach the end of your rope and don't, don't know where to turn. It's the grace that meets us as we're walking down the hallway knowing that we just blew it big time with our kids. And if you were to ask the question, if you were to ask this question, what is the single greatest, the single most important thing that God gives you as a parent? If you were to ask that question, my answer would be God's grace. It's God's grace. Now, if you're a churchgoer, we talk a lot about God's grace. And oftentimes when we talk about God's grace, we, we simply define it very easily. And, and grace is very simple to understand. It's this, is that grace is getting what you do not deserve. That's grace. Grace is getting what you do not deserve. And oftentimes in church world, when we talk about grace, we talk about it in like the past experience. Like my sins, my transgressions, my mistakes, my failures, that God's grace covers them because of the cross of Jesus, that I'm forgiven. That's God's grace. It's a beautiful application of God's grace. And sometimes in church world, we even talk about God's future grace, like in this future sense, like one day that I will be in heaven with God, that I will live eternally and I will be in heaven with God. I do not deserve that. And yet, that'll be my reality, that that's God's grace. That's a beautiful picture of what it means to have God's grace wrapped over you. And so in Christian world, in church world, oftentimes we'll talk about the past experience of grace. We'll talk about the future reality of grace, but very rarely do we talk about the present reality of grace in our lives. 
that grace of God is not just for our past, it's not just for our future, but grace is for the here and now. And so what I wanna do is I wanna take a few minutes to explain what that means and then why any of this has any uh, reason to be talked about in a parenting series, why it's so important for parenting. So as we open up the pages of scripture, what we find is that God doesn't call people who are able. God doesn't call able people to do important things. That you can read every page of the Bible, and outside of Jesus, you will never find one person who was completely able, completely adequate to do the task that God was calling them to do. In fact, we can just look at the famous people real quickly. Like, go to Abraham. Abraham was not able. That God comes to Abraham, and he says, Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation like a great nation, and Abraham could not see, he could not figure out in his own mind how that was gonna work out. And so, not once, not twice, not three times, but four times, I sound like LeBron James. Four times, four times, Abraham takes it onto himself, tries to figure it out, the calling and promises of God in his own life, and fails to do so. He was not able. We go to Moses. Moses, one day, God comes to Moses, and he says, Moses, you're going to be my spokesman. You are going to be the person who sets my people free from Egypt, that you are going to lead the slaves of Israel into their freedom. And Moses isn't like, yes, I got the job. No, he goes, God, I think you got the wrong person. Have you heard me speak? Why don't you find someone else? We go to Jeremiah, one of the great prophets of the Old Testament. He's not able that God comes to him and says, man, you're going you're to be my prophet for all of Israel, that you're going to speak of my truths to all of my people. And Jeremiah goes, uh, I don't think so. I'm, I'm too young. We already looked at King David. We fast forward to the New Testament, and we have this, this story of the centurion. Now, remember, centurions were like Roman soldiers. Like, they were big, bad, fearless dude. And this guy's kid, he needs some help. And so he sends a team to go find Jesus. And as Jesus is heading to the house, all of a sudden this big bad centurion, he has some second thoughts, he has some doubts, he has some fears. And he sends out a group of friends to send word to Jesus where he says, look, Jesus, don't trouble yourself. I don't deserve you to come under my roof today. The centurion, he wasn't able. And then maybe the greatest story in all of the scriptures is that of Peter. Like, like Jesus comes to Peter and he says, Peter, like, you're going to lead my church. You're going to be the man. You're going to lead this thing that I call the church. It's going to be like my family that's going to expand. And in thousands of years, like billions of people are going to be a part of it. And you're going to be the leader. You're going to be like the guy that gets it going. And then we find out a couple months later that as Jesus is being led to trial, eventually to crucifixion, that three people come up to Peter in different times and say, hey, aren't you, aren't you the one with Jesus? And in all three times, he denies. He denies. Peter wasn't able. And we look back on that story, and we go, Jesus, how's that guy going to lead anything? Like, he won't even acknowledge that he knows you. Like, he's not capable. He's not able. The Bible... It's like a billboard shouting at you. You feel unqualified for what God is calling you to? Join the team. Join the team. The reason that we see this over and over again in Scripture is because there are no able people. They don't exist, and they surely don't exist as parents. That there is no parent ever who has had the know-how, the courage, the strength, the perseverance to do the job that God has called them to do when it comes to parenting. The truth of the matter is this, is that you feel inadequate as a parent because you are. That you feel inadequate as a parent because you are. Which leads us to the question, like, if I feel so inadequate and if I am so inadequate when it comes to this job of parenting, like, 
like, why is God calling me into this? That why would God give me such an important task? When it comes to parenting, why would God in all of his wisdom choose to do it this way? Why would he choose to do it this way? And here's the answer. That he, God, calls you to do the impossible so that when you go and find help, that you find more than help, you find him and he gets the glory. You see, God, God isn't calling you to be able. He's calling you to be willing. That God isn't calling you to be able, he's calling you to be willing. And in your willingness, he will meet you. That in your willingness, he will meet the struggle and he will work through the good in order to bring about good things in your children's hearts. That he will meet you in your inadequacy. Your inability or inadequacy does not mean that God made a mistake making you a parent. Rather, your inability is the plan of God because he knows that a parent who is humble, who is humble enough to lean into the reality of God's grace, his present grace, by admitting their shortcomings, by acknowledging their weaknesses, by, by bringing to mind and sharing with others their inability, whether that's their friends or their community group or their church or the people that they work with, that God knows that when that person confesses their lack of having it all together, that that parent will run toward God and in turn, that will be the best parents. Because here's the deal. God never calls us to something particularly something important without giving us what we need in order to do it. Like the whole story of the Bible, the whole story of the Bible is inadequate people being called by God to do something important. Being called to do something that they could not do on their own. That they needed him. That the whole story of the Bible is God showing up and giving what is needed to those people to do it. The whole story of the Bible is how God meets incapable people with powerful grace. See, for so many of us parents, we are, we live paralyzed, imprisoned to the regrets of our past, don't we? Like there's a whole closet full of regrets, what ifs, might have beens in our lives. And if we were honest, the weight of that closet, when we open up that closet, the weight of the might have beens, the what ifs, the weight of the, of the regrets, it steals our joy, doesn't it? it? It takes away our hope. It weakens our confidence. It drags our past perpetually into our future. And yet for all the remembering that inadequacy does, it fails to remember one thing. It fails to remember the cross. That Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, writes maybe one of the most important verses in all of Scripture. He says this, He himself, that being Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you've been what? You've been healed, that you've been healed. Remember, this is Peter, the great apostle who didn't have what it took to lead the church, writing this. That years later, he's looking back on his life, he's remembering the life of Jesus, he's remembering that night, that night where he betrayed Jesus. He's remembering the crucifixion. He remembers Jesus coming back to him after his resurrection and speaking to him. And as he writes all of that, he remembers these words that by his wounds that you have been healed. Peter says, Peter says on that cross, Jesus died and grace came. That grace came to carry all of the sin, the shame, the guilt, the what ifs, the might have beens. And on the cross, Jesus purchased with his blood our complete forgiveness, which is huge because that means we as a people, that we as parents can come to him in our inadequacies, 
and our inabilities and our failures, and that we can receive forgiveness by his grace. See, the issue has never been whether you are able or not. The issue is if you humbly realize that you're not, and then you fall at the foot of the cross, receiving the grace that God gives to you in this present reality, where Jesus comes and he forgives you for your sins. And not only does he forgive you of your sins, but he also heals the wounds of your life. And he invites you as a child of God to, to step into with joy and hope the future blessings that are yours in God. See, God didn't call you because you were able. He called you because he knew that you needed him. Here's the way the Apostle Paul puts it in Ephesians chapter 3. He's writing this in the middle. It's kind of like a benediction. But it says, to him who is able to do far more abundantly, that's God, to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be all the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ through all generations forever and ever. Amen. See, God's greatest gift to you in his grace is himself. That he knows how hard the task of parenting is. He knows how difficult it is to be a parent. He knows that it drives you past your ability. He knows that more often than not, you have no clue what you're doing. He knows that. He knows that there's more times than not where your anger overwhelms you as a parent. He knows every struggle that you've, that you've ever faced as a parent. And he knows the only thing in all of this world that can help you in your parenting that's even remotely possible for doing the task that you need to do is himself. Is himself. That God is with you. That in his grace, he's given yourself. He's given himself to you. And Paul says, this is the God who is able to do more than you could ever think or imagine in your minds, which I can imagine a lot. But Paul says, even more than that, he's able to do all of these things. And that God who's able to do more things than, than you can even imagine, that that God is with you. That God is with you. He's with you in the morning when you don't feel like getting out of bed. He's with you when your children are, are being disrespectful. He's with you when you send your child off to school not knowing what they'll experience that day. He's with you in the pain of parenting. He's with you when you open up the closet of regret. He's with you when you think back of the what ifs. He's with you when you think back of the, at the might have beens that God is with you. So in God's present grace, my encouragement to you is, is to fight off the fear, to fight the fear, battle the discouragement of your life, combat the regret, make war with the what ifs and the might of uh, the might of bends, and know and know today, and receive today the Savior, whose rope never ends, his rope never ends, that his promise is to never leave you or to forsake you. He's going to be with you. That's his promise to us. And so today, before we go to communion, would you, would you just bow and pray with me? Father, as we, Lord, sit in your presence today and look toward your word, Lord, I imagine for every parent here that we can recall the regrets, the what-ifs, and the might-have-beens of our parenting. Lord, that we can look on moments of our lives where we walk down that hallway knowing that our anger overwhelmed us and that we've blown it with our child. We can look back when we when we made decisions not out of wisdom but in foolishness. We can look back in our lives when we were too hard 
with our kids and at times not, not bringing discipline enough. And Lord, every single one of us, parent or not, lives with the regrets of the decisions and the behaviors that we've had in our lives. And so today, Lord, as we talk about grace, particularly in light of parenting, Lord, I pray that you would allow us to experience your present grace. God, we are incredibly grateful for, for the grace that covers our sins. We're incredibly grateful for the grace that will allow us to one day be in your presence fully and completely in heaven. But Lord, in those two, in those two realities, don't let us ever lose sight of the grace that you give us every single day, particularly as parents, to do what you have called us to do. God, you know how hard it is. And yet in the difficulty, you're there with us. And so, Lord, I pray that you, would, that you would bring to mind, that you would allow us to know your presence in our life, that we would see so clearly those moments that you are with us, particularly as we try to parent our child. And, Lord, I pray today that, that we would grow, Lord, as parents, to become more like you, steadfast in love, abundant in mercy, slow to anger, forgiving of all things, and in the end, showing a compassion, a compassion that no matter what happens with our kids, that they would only ever know our mercy and love. God, it's the way that you've treated us. Help us, help us as parents do the same. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Today, if you've never had the opportunity to know the grace of God, I would encourage you to simply text the word Jesus to the number on the screen, 720-513-1933. And we'd love to have that conversation with you. Today, we're reminded of God's grace. We talked a lot about the cross and what the cross is. And today, we, right now, we celebrate that. We celebrate Jesus' body being broken for our sin, that his blood was poured out for our forgiveness. And so today, as people of faith, as people who walk with God, we remember by eating the bread, and by drinking from the cup. We know when we talk about failures and mistakes, the regrets of our past, that there might be moments that you need prayer. And if you need prayer, I just encourage you in-house. You can make your way over to the banner. We have people ready to pray for you. For parenting or any other need that you have, online you can just click the button, but I'm gonna ask you all to stand as we sing about the grace of God and his love for us.